You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Endurance. Hello my radio friends. I'm glad you've joined me today to hear more about the Word of God and what it has to say. And I hope that what you hear will be effective in helping you to make a commitment to the Lord. To begin today, I want to share a story about endurance. It is about an heroic endeavour to survive against terrible odds. Ernest Shackleton had already made a name for himself as an intrepid explorer. Having reached a record southern latitude on his Antarctic expedition of 1907-1909, when he set sail on the ship Endurance in 1914. The South Pole had been conquered a few years earlier by Roald Amundsen, so Shackleton set a more ambitious goal. He intended to land on Antarctica and cross 1,800 miles over the entire continent, an endeavour he named the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. With a support ship sailing to the far side of the continent to lay supply caches for the back end of the cross's journey, Shackleton took a hand-picked crew of 28, including one stowaway, a spurned applicant from Buenos Aires to South Georgia Island and into the frozen Weddell Sea. The ship soon encountered an unexpected density of pack ice. After more than two months of halting progress, endurance became hopelessly icebound. The grand expeditionary plan could not be carried out now, so a new plan was to hunker down and prepare to spend the winter in the ice. Sled dogs were moved off the ship and into igloos on the ice, and the ship was converted into a winter habitat. To maintain morale, the crew exercised on the ice and played games indoors. Frank Hurley, the expedition's photographer, entertained himself by tromping around and making dramatic compositions with the trapped ship and ice formations. In his dark room next to the ship's engine, he skillfully developed and preserved his glass plate negatives in nearly frozen chemicals, causing the skin of his fingertips to split and crack. Meanwhile, the ship drifted with the movement of the ice flows around it, at the mercy of their immense crushing mass. On October 27, 1915, the ship was squeezed to breaking point, and Shackleton gave the order to ab abandon endurance. With conditions now more dire than ever and no room for dead weight, Shackleton ordered the four weakest sled dog pups and the carpenter's cat, Mrs Chippy, to be shot. 
Hurley, the photographer, waded into the wreck to retrieve his photos. With Shackleton's help, he set aside the best 120 of his plates and smashed the remaining 400. He ditched his bulky cameras, keeping only a vest pocket Kodak and a few rolls to film. After a brief attempt at a march, the crew built a camp on the ice, retrieving supplies and lifeboats from the Endurance until it finally sank on November 21, a few weeks later. The crew moved further away and settled in for a more than three-month stay at what they called Patience Camp. Supplies dwindled, the remaining dogs were eaten, and still the 28 men drifted. Land was distantly visible, but inaccessible across the broken ice. On April 8, 1916, the ice flow they were living on began to break up. The 28 men crowded into the three lifeboats and began to navigate through a treacherous maze of ice and sea, aiming in the direction of what they hoped was a whaling outpost. About a week later they made landfall on Elephant Island, a rocky crag inhabited only by penguins and seals. It was their first taste of terra firma, that's land of course, in 497 days, that's almost one and a half years. But their journey was not over. From Elephant Island, the only human settlements they had a chance of reaching were the whaling stations on South Georgia Island, 920 miles, that's 1,500 kilometres away, nearly the distance from Adelaide to Sydney. Shackleton ordered one of the seven-metre lifeboats, the James Caird, to be fortified and prepared for a perilous open sea crossing. On April 24, 1916, Shackleton set out with five men and a month of provisions. He knew that if they did not reach help after a month, they were doomed to die. The rest of the men stayed behind on Elephant Island, building a makeshift shelter out of the other two lifeboats. For 14 gruelling days, the men on the James Caird lifeboat endured gale-force winds, monstrous waves and a constant soaking of freezing spray. The little boat was perpetually coated in ice and was in danger of capsizing. Finally, they made it to the southern coast of South Georgia Island. The men were exhausted, and the boat was nearly sunk. There was one last hurdle. The human settlements were on the north side of the island. In one final burst of effort, Shackleton and two others made a non-stop 36-hour crossing of the island's mountainous and uncharted interior. On May 20, they at last reached civilization. 
It would take another three months to return through the pack ice surrounding Elephant Island, but on August the 30, 1916, the last of the men were rescued and safe. It is reported that before leaving Elephant Island, Shackleton made a parting remark to the men who were to remain behind. "I'll be back," he said. Miraculously, after enduring mountainous seas, powerful winds, and freezing temperatures, Shackleton was able to keep his promise. There are quite a few verses in the Bible telling how you can be saved, but there is another one that is less often quoted. It is a statement by Jesus, and is in the context where a Christian is persecuted and hounded for his faith in Christ. The verse says, "He who endures to the end shall be saved." I really enjoy reading true stories of people who, by carrying out a bold plan, have escaped from prison of war camps, and I enjoy stories of people who have had to endure hardship, and by patience, courage, and persistence, have won through. I find such stories, like the story about Ernest Shackleton, to be character building. I was once asked a question: What is more important, starting or finishing? Of course, you can't finish unless you start, but it is equally useless starting unless you finish. If you give up part way through, the goal you set at the beginning will never be reached. Whether you set out to bake a cake, catch a fish, build a kennel. Or play a game, you need to finish. Hence the words of Jesus: "He who endures to the end shall be saved." No, as many people from the past have testified, being a Christian is more than just accepting Christ's sacrifice, and then following that, everything will work out fine. If you read Matthew ten verses sixteen to twenty-eight, you will see that although as a Christian you will have inner peace, there will most likely be difficulties, like battling with temptation and sin, opposition from other people, persecution, and even being betrayed. Let me read Matthew ten verses twenty-one to twenty-three to you. The words of Jesus, and he said, "And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city," Flee to another. There are plenty of examples in the Bible about keeping going in the Christian life. The familiar parable of the sower is one place where endurance can be noted.
and that parable is found in Matthew chapter 13. The sower sowed his field by broadcasting, that is, throwing, so that the seed spread out, and walking all over his field and carrying a bag of grain. Near the edges, some of the grain fell on the hard-surfaced path. The birds came along and ate that exposed grain. Some parts of the field were rocky and the soil was shallow. The grain germinated, but because the soil was shallow, the growth of the wheat was limited and eventually shriveled up and died. Some grain fell among thick weeds already established, and those weeds choked out the new wheat plants. But there were seeds that fell on good, deep soil, and those plants flourished and produced. Now, you might be wondering, what has this got to do with endurance? Well, some people, when hearing the gospel message, do not have a chance of developing and becoming one of Christ's true followers because their hearts are hard and filled with worldliness. Others, like with the rocky ground, do not put their roots down enough and shrivel up and die out as soon as a dry spell comes along. Others who hear the gospel message and are impressed by it may have bad influences in their lives like bad habits, bad friends and bad philosophies that are responsible for choking out the germ of faith that began. And then there are the successful ones, those who get their roots down into fertile soil and grow well. And I'd like to focus on two groups from this parable, those who are represented by the seed that fell in the rocky ground and the seed that fell in the good ground. But we're going to do that straight after the break. I'm only human I'm just a man Help me believe What I could be And all that I did Show me the stairway I have to climb Lord, for my sake Teach me to take one day at a time One day at a time, sweet Jesus That's all I'm asking from you Just give me the strength to do every day What I have to do Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus And tomorrow may never be mine Lord, help me today Show me the way One day at a time Do you remember 
when you walked among men. Jesus, you know, if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. Cheating and stealing, violence and crime. So for my sake, teach me to take. One day at a time. Help me today. Show me the way. One day at a time. Help me today. Show me the way. One day at a time. From the parable, I want to pick out two of the places where the seed fell, and I want to apply it in a spiritual way. And from the interaction I've had with many people who claim to be Christians, I've noticed that many of them go to church and live respectable lives, but seem to come to a dead stop in their spiritual growth. They hardly ever studied their Bibles and seemed to be content with a minimum of spiritual input. There are many truths of the Bible that appear to go unnoticed and or are put aside because these people do not get their roots down into the richness of God's Word. Their understanding of the Scriptures is limited to only some of the basics. On the other hand, there are those who study God's word and make it the compass for their lives. These are the people who fully commit themselves to the Lord and know what they believe. They can be likened to the seed that fell in good soil. Of all the four groups Jesus mentioned in the parable, only one group had the desired outcome the seed that fell in the good ground. Why did it flourish? Firstly, it fell in good ground. So what is good ground? Put simply, the good ground is an area that was suitable for growth. That ground could be said to be an environment that encouraged spirituality, like where there are supportive people around, an environment where understanding God's word is encouraged, an environment where the teaching of God's word and the study and practical application of God's word is fostered. Many parts of Australia experienced ex experience extremes of weather. The plants that survive 
are those with a deep root system, a foundation that sustains life. The deep roots enable those plants to endure what is thrown at them. So it is in the Christian life. You need to know whom you believe. You need to know what you believe. And you need to draw nourishment from the Bible. Secondly, the successful plants put down their roots. Roots draw nourishment from the soil allowing the visible parts of a plant to grow. In the Christian life, it is necessary to put down your roots, basing your life in and on God's Word, the Bible. By doing so, you will be the means of being a blessing to others. I suspect that some of you hearing my voice today have a superficial Christian experience. Go further. Go deeper. Be fully committed. Don't sit on the fence. Open your Bible up and read it and study it, even if your minister or priest discourages personal Bible study. Who knows? You might end up knowing more than he does. A plant that is not growing is dying. And I'd like to suggest that each of us should be growing too. According to recent statistics presented on ABC News, the second greatest cause of death in this country following heart-related disease is dementia. A suggested possible way to prevent Alzheimer's and dementia is to keep your mind and body active doing challenging things. In a spiritual sense, don't think for one moment that you know it all. The Bible is like a mine. The deeper you dig, the more precious truths there are to be found. A little verse I once taught to children went like this. Read, read, read. The more you read, the more you know. The more you know, the more you grow. So read, read, read. The Apostle Paul had quite a lot to say about endurance. In 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 to 27, he wrote about running the race of life and more particularly about life as a Christian. About himself he had this to say, Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. What did he mean about beating his body? He meant that he disciplined himself to endure temptations and hardship, so that he would not give up, but instead put up with the problems in order to be given eternal life. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul wrote about his own personal endurance for the sake of Christ. And I'll read verses 23 to 29. He said, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, 
and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten by rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have laboured and toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So Paul put his roots down deep to handle all these problems without giving up. And what was the result of his life? He brought hundreds, no, probably thousands of people to Christ, and established churches throughout Asia Minor. How did Jesus endure? He too put up with opposition, death threats, false accusations, persecutions, and was even put to death. He endured all this not for his own sake, but for yours and mine. Hebrews chapter 12 tells about Jesus' endurance. It says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If Jesus had not endured, there'd be no hope for any of us. The book of Revelation tells about last time events. In chapter 7 verses 13 and 14, the prophet John was given a vision of heaven. He wrote, Then one of the elders in heaven asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, the saints are those who have remained faithful to Jesus, although they had to endure much. Also in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12 is a definition I've quoted often. It says, Here is the patience the endurance of the saints. Here are they who keep God's commandments and the faith of Jesus. Shackleton endured for the sake of his men. Paul endured for the sake of his Lord. Jesus endured for you. Will you endure for him? Friends, the Christian life for many will not be easy, but it is worthwhile. You may be required to endure difficulties. You may be required to endure for a long time. But those difficulties and the time period 
will be nothing in comparison to the reward we will be given. It's my hope and prayer that you will make a total commitment to the Lord and stay with that commitment for as long as you live. And if you've never committed yourself to the Lord, why don't you do it now? Don't be afraid. Say it out loud, Lord, I do want to follow you and I want to be saved. Lord, help me. And may the Lord help you each day in every way.